everyone and welcome to another episode of the dynasty gambit on the going for two live network we're here on youtube twitch facebook so if you want to come chat with us interact with us uh, head over to any of those sites certainly recommend the going for two live youtube channel subscribe and if you're watching after the fact i also appreciate if you comment under the video but uh one of my co-hosts has returned brian it's been over a month now but glad to have you back on the gambit well thanks kyle yeah it's uh I've missed three episodes, so I've, I've hated to miss, but I'm glad glad to be back. We're gearing up for the season, and um, I may have missed it. The Hall of Fame game was either last night or coming soon, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't think we're at the Hall of Fame game yet. I, I mean, we're st- we're still in July, right? So I, I think that's in August, but I'm never really sure when all that stuff starts. Yeah, I saw something weird, like it was it was coming up within the next few days or or something. I thought maybe maybe, maybe this upcoming weekend. I forget when the Hall of Fame induction even is. So yeah, because um, I guess you know Bob Lung mentions that the, the expo is always the week after the inductions, and I guess that would mean the Hall of Fame ceremony is probably like the fourth, fifth, and sixth. So I'm guessing the Hall of Fame game. I think it would be next Thursday. Actually, probably a week from tonight. The the August 3rd, I think. I don't know preseason schedule, though. Maybe maybe our guest does, Zach Pulowski, part of uh, Go Over 2, do you, you know, behind the Zach. Can you give us any behind the scenes to like give any insight to preseason games at all? I have uh, no clue when it starts. I'm no help at all with this topic. I, uh, you know, I'm just kind of trying not to think about it because it's still too far away. I just want regular season week one to be here already. So until then, trying not to focus on it too much yeah let's not get too excited for for a hall of fame game i mean i guess last year was exciting because josh jacobs played so much of it but most of the time we're not going to see fantasy relevant players make too much of a big role and if they do and if they do we'll, we'll freak out and lower them in drafts so probably probably best that we just ignore the hall of fame game altogether the the best thing about the hall of fame game means that it's one day closer to the first first week i guess so that's good but like Zach said, not close enough, right? We, we want the season here, but uh, just because, you know, it's not the, it's not the season, the off season, the non point scoring season, we can still make moves. And I think today that's really what we're going to talk about over the course of the summer. What have we been doing? I think it's a lot of trades. So I know a few of us have already made some trades, uh, but uh, you know, it's, it is Scott fishbowl season after all. And so uh, one of the things I figured we could do is uh, share our Scott fishbowl teams. Perhaps people in the chat would like to as well. If they've been in the, in the, SFB, uh, Jamie's here. I know he's uh, a of the first round, for instance. You can you can talk about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jamie's here saying, hey, guys. And uh, he seems excited that Zach is back in the house. You even gave him a, a, a flame. I guess it represents the heat of the pick- pickleball conditions today. Zach. Uh, it's the heat of the trade talks. Him and I have been talking a lot about uh, trading up and down in the startup we're both in right now. Ooh, okay, yeah. Trade talks heating up. But yeah, uh, let, we can we can go right into Scott Fishbowl talk. Uh, what did uh, Zach, I guess, as the guest, what did your uh, SFB team look like this year? So uh, actually, if one of you want to start, I, I'll pull mine up so I can give it an exact. Um, they're actually here. Well, okay. Well, Brian, I did you? Uh, well, actually, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Zach. I forgot that I had Burrow, so I'm glad it's not as bad as it looked earlier today. Um, 
Which is funny to me because it didn't look that bad. It, it looked like, okay, this is going to be a calf injury. He's, he'll probably be ready for week one, right? Like, it, to me. Yeah. I was on the pickleball court. I just saw a bunch of people freaking out afterwards when I came back. And I I came back, you know, five minutes before they announced that it was just a calf strain. So I kind of missed all the concern. But, um, you know, obviously, it's nice to see that he's not hurt, unlike uh, Jalen Ramsey today. It's disappointing. Oh, yeah, but, um, I, just, I just noticed that like a minute ago. But, no, I – so I tried to – I took Burrow, obviously, right away, but I usually like to go a little bit more patient in regards to quarterback. Um, you know, there's – I didn't love my options when it came back to me, so I tried to be patient. And I took Jonathan Taylor at 206, which I thought was a great value there. But then I stacked up four wide receivers in a row, Amonra St. Brown, Olave, Devontae Smith, uh, Christian Watson. Um and then, <laughs> of course, Christian Watson. That makes sense. But uh, Ninjoku as my primary tight end, and then um, David Montgomery at eight oh seven as my RB two, which I was really happy about. Obviously, Gibbs will be there as well, but you know I think he's going to have enough of a workload where he'll be serviceable behind a stacked wide receiver core. But um, I got uh, CJ Stroud at nine oh six though as my my QB two, so I was happy with that. I don't um, love depending on a rookie, but. For waiting until the ninth round for a QB two, especially when uh, Anthony Richardson went at four hundred one, that makes Stroud at nine hundred six seem way too good to be true. But, yeah, I noticed that in my draft too. How early? You know, I think Richardson was a. Uh, where did he go? He went super early. Uh, yeah, he was a second round pick. He went uh, two twelve. And okay. I also got. I also took CJ Stroud at the end of the ninth round. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Maybe you can answer this for me, and I'm not sure if I didn't notice if he was a part of any of our trades, but CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, I find it so interesting how everyone's kind of just ditched them. All the hype is gone. Um, you know, these I I'm convinced that it's because they were so consistent for such a prolonged period in college that they were no longer like the sexy fun thing. Because we moved on to Caleb Williams. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, they kind of just came out of nowhere. So I think those are the shiny new toys. But I still think Stroud and Young are the best two QBs in this class. I find it so interesting how there's well, we so much talk, sex appeal. Well, we can talk about dynasty rankings real quick there. Um, like, where, where do you guys have those three rookies ranked as dynasty quarterbacks right now? Because uh, I'm having a hard time putting any of them in the top 12. And it seems like, you know, consensus rankings, Richardson's kind of you know, in that top 12 around QB 10. So I just think that's a little, a little too early for me on, on Richardson. And, and uh, I agree. I, I do prefer Stroud and Young, both as prospects and the upside of Richardson could be great. But I mean, if CJ Stroud turns into the next Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, that that's upside too, right? Like, like we forget that there's upside in passing and, and efficient passers and passers who can score a lot of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And for a team like Houston, who really struggles to run the ball and may not score a lot of rushing touchdowns, there might be, some upside with Stroud in, in, as, as a passer, although his receiving core might not allow that. I, I have a hard time uh, really putting them too high on my dynasty rankings for QBs right now. You know, I think there's such a high floor for the quarterback position now. There's so many, like that QB 20 is still really productive, you know? So I, I think for me, as much as I think the ceiling's higher on Stroud and Young than compared to like a Jared Goff or Daniel Jones, I'm still more inclined right now based off of actually seeing on-field production 
probably take them in startups. I don't know. I like potential, but it always scares me with quarterbacks because, yeah, you really want to see it in advance. Oh, I'm going to take that toy away from you. All right. <laughs> well, I guess they, your dog prefers that toy over Anthony Richardson. Is that, is that your toy? <laughs> and just as Mr. Scamper is, uh, you know, moseys on into the, the building. So that was uh, a bit of poeticness to that. But, Brian, what, what do you think of the three rookies in Dynasty? Well, I've got the top eight quarterbacks. Um they're not they're not in the top eight um from from nine to 20 like zach was saying you've got to me anyway you've got kind of a nice group of uh of you know it pretty much could go anywhere number nine could be 15 for for all i care but i don't i don't view any of the rookies in in the top eight and then after that kind of got a hodgepodge of nine through 20 and then you got a bottom tier of quarterbacks that most people aren't going to touch except for two quarterback leagues. So I've got them the higher end of the um, nine through 20, but at the same time, I could be convinced they're not top 12. So. I'd imagine we have the same top eight, Brian. I think a lot of people do. If you actually, if you look on the going for two consensus, for instance, I think everyone has the exact same top eight. The, the order may be different of those eight, but uh, to me, nine through 12, right now I've got Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Tua Tungavailoa, and Kyler Murray. And there's question marks with all four of those guys. You know, uh, Deshaun, can he recapture what he used to be before the the long absence? Dak Prescott, can he recapture what he used to be before the ankle injury? And I think with two, it's really just the concussions. That's maybe maybe the fewest questions out of all of them, but it's also maybe, you know, it's just one question, but it's the biggest question. And then with Kyler, it's just the recovery from the injury. How much time is he missing? And also, what is this injury going to do to his rushing ability, right? But I would still take the shot on any of those four before I, I took a shot on a rookie. So I think you guys will appreciate this because it's a little different, but I have the same top eight at quarterback. However, my quarterback nine is the man actually, who I believe finished at QB nine last year. Um, Mr. Danny Dimes. He's 26. The team invested financially. They have some weapons, you know, I'd like to see them add more weapons, but Produced without him, he's got the rushing upside. And to me, it's also about the, I mean, the price is less about it. Um, but I just have him at QB9. And I I like Deshaun if he can return to form, but it wasn't promising at all what we saw last year. Um, yeah, I just you said that word that makes me cringe when people talk about Daniel Jones. I do not think he has upside. I think he's got a rushing floor. And last year he showed he had seven rushing touchdowns, but he's also, I think he had six or seven the pre- preceding three seasons. So I don't expect another seven touchdown season, obviously. Like yeah, but I mean, he re- gets rushing yards more so than I think what people. Yeah, for as. sure. Which I get the floor side, but to my, the, the problem I have is Daniel Jones to me doesn't have enough upside because I mean, last year, seven rushing touchdowns, but he only threw 15. So it's never really upside the as well difference. as what I'm paying. Like, cause I, I got him in like, I, I think I got him as QB 15. And I think he has the QB like six, like he could finish that high. I don't think he'd finish top five ever, but I mean, I could see him having a great year and finishing at QB six. I don't see him in like the top eight for dynasty value, but I have him at nine just because I think there's enough of a floor with this game where I have a hard time really seeing him regress. And I think he can have a longstanding career as a starter, which, you know, some of the different scrambling ones, it was usually less years with it and some of those guys you just don't know how long they can maintain that so that's why i have danny there 
but all to say, we, we've talked about five different veteran quarterbacks ahead of any of these rookies, right? And I've got, I think I've got all three back to back QB 13 through 15. Uh, but yeah, me, me having Richardson at 15, I think would be quite considered quite low for the consensus rankings. We again, seem to have him kind of around QB 10. So um, we did have a question regarding these quarterbacks. So uh, Jamie's asking, would Zach, not Zach, but Zach rather have Stroud slash Young over Love? Now, I do want to, Jamie, is this a real-life Green Bay Packers question, or is this fantasy? Because I can answer both pretty easily. Because, I mean, to me, it's about price. I'm looking at... Oh, yeah, their price is nowhere near the same. That's Yeah, I'm like, in the startup I'm in with Jamie, where it's uh, going for two, like, dynasty startup, there's super flex. I took Jordan Love at 706, and Bryce Young went 302, and CJ Stroud went 310. Just relative to price, and... Upside, not really sure what I'm getting at the NFL level. I'd rather take the guy in the seventh than take. <laughs> to the be guy fair, the we don't really know what we're getting at the NFL level from Jordan Love, who has one career start, right? Like, it's or not. No, like that, no I'm saying he's in the same group. We don't know what yeah. any of them are. But That's if he's that much cheaper, it, it does make it worth yeah. it. But but if we're just talking straight up, who would you rather? I very clearly, easily rather have Stroud or Young. I think they're calling. Yeah, I think profiles. the ceiling's higher, but I'm also. I'm also fairly high on Jordan Love, and I we don't need to go down that rabbit hole because I know you're you think he's dog shit from the well, sounds of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, and Jamie brings up a good point. He's a first rounder. Kenny Pickett was a first rounder. I don't think Kenny Pickett's any good. Um, so, but I also think there's a big difference between Pickett and Love. They were taken in the twenties versus the first and second overall pick. Like clearly, the NFL team's telling us something with those, right? So, I don't know. I I think. If I was the if I was the Packers, I would much rather have Stroud rather than Young or than well Stroud or Young than Love right now. Like I, I don't even think that's a question. But. I uh, I also I'm higher on Love than most. I think there's enough reason to believe that uh, there's a chance for more. But I noticed uh, someone else as well said sell Daniel Jones while yeah. you can. Keith Jackson, I think that's, hey Keith. I think that's wild because I mean you're not. No one's paying that much for him. Like, no one believes that he's going to be QB9 again. You're not going to get QB9 value. I know because Daniel Jones helped me win almost all my leagues last year. And, yeah, I put him out on the trade market to see if anyone wanted him. But no one wanted to pay uh, what a QB9 that's 26 years old is worth. They wanted to pay, you know, uh, QB15 to 20. And at that point, why not just keep him? Yeah, that's fair. If you're not viewing it as the true ceiling play, like, the, the the time to sell him for that QB9 price probably was last year. Like, you've almost already missed that window. Or you've already missed. Or there, I don't think it ever really was there except for Giants fans right in the moment because from what I've experienced on the Dynasty market, is not really people. I haven't had anyone hit me up or try and be serious. Or, like, yes, serious offers for Jones, but not – I would – definitely the only offers I've received are valuing him as QB15 to 20, which – I think is not worth trading him at all at that point because he outproduced that. So why not just hope for him to try and do that again? Although if you got an offer for like Jordan Love plus something at that QB fifteen price, would you take that shot then? I, it would have to be plus. It's like I need to know what the plus is because um, I mean I'm not just going to downgrade from QB nine last year to a complete unknown unless you're giving me something that I feel like I'm adding value elsewhere. Like, do you need um, a first? Like, is, if it's love in a second, is that? Um, yeah, probably. He keeps asking that exact thing, right? 
yeah love plus i would uh i would gladly do that um he bought uh so jamie's saying he bought danny dimes last year for tony and a 23 third <laughs> that's uh i i'm that was me across all my leagues. People still hate me for it. Jared Goff and Daniel Jones were my targets all off season last year. And <laughs> hey, what's changed see. this year, right? I mean, if they are both in the same situations, and in fact, we we know Dan, you know, we didn't know like Daniel Jones last year. Okay, are the Giants going to extend him? Like before last season, we didn't know for sure that he would be starting in twenty twenty three. Like we thought so. Anyone who believes in the talent would have believed so. I mean, people said that about Hertz two years ago, or, or Justin Fields. Honestly, people have said that about Justin Fields last year during the season, right? Oh, he's not going to start for the Bears next year. So, uh, I like. Also, I just want to say I'm I'm big on investing in relatively young QBs when there's still upside and there's profit to be made. Someone like Jordan Love, you know, I have him in so many dynasty leagues. The dude can just be average, and I'll pretty much profit in every league. Like just for being a quarterback, he doesn't even need to be good. He can just be like better than Marcus Mariota and I can, I can gain some value because I'm not really investing that much, but the QB position, if he's anything more than that, suddenly I'm going to get a lot more assets in return. If I don't believe that he can get to a higher level. And I think for existing leagues where we've been around, you know, maybe leagues that have existed since 2020 and they saw, you know, leagues where Jordan love was in that rookie draft. There were times over the last two, three years where you could have probably bought Jordan Love super cheap for something like Tony in a third or maybe even just a third. Now is probably not the time to buy Love. When, when, once Rodgers was traded away, your buy low window on Love sort of closed. And now, oh, he's, he's locked in as the quarterback. And I think that's kind of elevated his price. You're if anything, a- sorry, sorry, Zach. If anything, yeah. can you get from Love to Daniel Jones quickly on those leagues where you have Jordan Love, if you believe so strongly in Daniel Jones, get that again, better floor, I think, and maybe better upside to a certain extent. I'm looking at Jordan Love, though, and, like, I bought him as QB 23 in the startup in a super flex league. Like, how, why not buy at that price? It's a it's a freaking 24-year-old quarterback that we don't know about. QB 23, I mean, after that, it was Mac Jones, Derek Carr, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. Like, at that point, I'm like, I think Love has potent- more potential upside there like who knows if he hits it but you're not really paying that much to buy now so that's where i just see to me it's taking as many cracks as what can make me a major profit you know i don't know if it'll always stick but i can usually get my money back fairly easy because i'm not investing a lot but there's a good chance to so keith does have a question for us is the new york giants wide receiver room concerning this is back to regards with daniel jones the one thing i'll say is i wonder if if they would have invested in better wide receivers because I think the investment of Darren Waller is significant, but the wide receiver room, I think is still lacking relative to almost every other wide receiver room. If they had done that, I wonder if his value would go up, but I think people are still valuing him and holding his value down because of the lack of weapons around. So in a certain sense, it's kind of still baked into Daniel Jones price, this, this lack of a wide receiver, right? Yeah, I think that's more than fair. And the worst thing is everything they do add is all slot receivers. They don't they don't have a guy that can go downfield unless you count Darius Slayton. So I guess I guess that's why I'm fairly high on Jones relative to his price, is because he didn't really have any his weapons still upgraded from last year. You know? They it was they weren't good last year. I don't think they're good now except adding Waller. And that's where I'm like, hey, I think Waller is an addition. 
Um, I still don't really like his weaponry, but I'm like, hey, you were QB9 with some really questionable guys that you were throwing the ball to. So, hey, if you add Waller in, you know, I could easily still see him being QB12. Like, you know, I think that'd be a normal year, even with bad weapons. Yeah, but my, I guess my only concern with Jones is what was he QB prior to last year? I mean, nine last year, but been in the league for a couple of years prior to that. So it's last year. That's also a different systems. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But is it an anom- is it an anomaly that he was QB nine or? It's funny because he would have had better weapons those previous years. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more of a believer in the uh, Brian Dable system. So I think that was a big part of it. I think it's tough to compare before because it definitely wasn't um, definitely wasn't good prior. But that's where same thing. I was paying Jordan Love prices for Daniel Jones a year ago, and look at that QB. That's where I can eat content. I can be content with sitting with them if someone doesn't want to pay what he produced as while being young. But at the same time, there's a potential chance I could maintain as well. The best part about it, Zach, is you got him at a, at a low price. So, like you said. You didn't venture much, and you've gained already. So, and that's where I'll gladly have the Gersons of the world say, "Don't buy Jordan Love," because if you don't want to pay QB twenty four prices and startups for like taking a shot in the dark with a lot of upside, I'll gladly be the one to do so. Oh yeah, I mean I'm in a fourteen team superflex league, and you know we we're trying to start two quarterbacks, so twenty eight quarterbacks out of the thirty two. So, I mean basically anybody that's living, breathing. Is the quarterback of value at this point in time? Exactly. That's that's pretty much my mo. If it's a QB and he's a starter, he's got some value, especially the deeper and teams the league gets. And even if it's just a one-year starter, you don't know. It may turn into two or three years eventually. Who knows at this point in time? So just like I said, anybody breathing or or anything at this point in time has a pulse. I mean, they're good. Pick up Nathan Rourke. Um, so yeah, so this is back to Zach's comments about it. You, you did draft Dave Montgomery, right? Like that's this, these comments by Jamie are coming out of nowhere. Okay. So are you saying Montgomery in Montgomery in this format should be a stud is what JV said. He's a better version of Jamal. It's funny because <clears throat> I think <clears throat> the lions would agree because they paid Montgomery more than the saints paid Jamal Williams. So for less money than they paid Montgomery, if they really believed in Jamal Williams, they could have, paid him for less or what Montgomery got, but clearly the lions specifically chose Montgomery over Williams. So I don't expect he's going to get 18 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> and that was, uh, but I think I still have Montgomery projected to lead the lions in scrimmage touchdowns. I think I've got him for eight. And so basically half of what Williams scored last year, but that would still likely lead the team. It's- yeah. I'm right there with you. I see eight to possibly as many as 10. So it's such an interesting round for him to, because I, I mean, I see him, and for example, my Scott Fishbowl draft, Damian Pierce, Javante Williams, Antonio Gibson, Damian Harris are all around the same point. And I feel so much more confident in Monty than I do any of those other guys. I don't, um, can I just say something? I don't get what? the Damian Harris hype at all. Like, oh, because, no, no. I mean, to same. me, are we really <laughs> sure he's better than Latavius Murray? Like, he's going to get. 200 carries more than Latavius Murray. Like I just, I really view that as almost a three-way committee. And I think people are just pumping Harris up as if he's a clear handcuff back. So he's, I think David Harris is a clear, especially if he's going in David Montgomery's range. Like that's, 
pretty nuts. I think of, of the names you mentioned, so Damian Pierce and the other Damian. That's probably the one that I would I would probably take him over Montgomery, but uh, as we I could, talk about I a bit when we talk to trade workload, but I'm not a Damian Pierce believer. Andy also went before Monty, so yeah, okay, so you, yeah, you got him in that good value in that range, but in that range though, that's that's I think both yeah. of them are going a pretty good value if they're going around those other running backs. And it, yeah, it's so it's just so interesting to me because they I feel as if enough people just kind of forgot what kind of work workload Jamal Williams had last year. Obviously, Swift and Gibbs are two completely different things, but still, I don't yeah. know. I, I, they wouldn't have paid money what they paid them, and then taken Gibbs where they did, you know, just to bench one of them and have the other one cook all day. One one thing I think a lot of people do. They give a lot of credit, which it's important to give credit to volume, but you better be on a good offense. I mean, a, a guy like Damian Pierce for the Houston Texans, they may, they may not score that many touchdowns to begin with. So sometimes we overvalue certain players that are going to get volume, but they may not score. And unfortunately, in fantasy football, it's all about who scores touchdowns anymore. So I would argue that, that offense is much better suited than it was last year. If nothing else, just having CJ Stroud at quarterback, I think that's going to elevate. And if you, Pierce was pretty playable last year in that awful offense that ended up finishing as the second worst team in the NFL. Like, I don't expect, as much as everyone's saying, oh, the Cardinals might have the 101, 102, like, I don't expect Houston to be awful this year. Like, I would, I would, I'd be shocked if they're any worse than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, or the Washington Same. Commanders or. And and that was just an example of the Packers. <laughs> there's other teams that are gonna have bad equally bad or worse offenses than the Texans. Like you said, maybe the commanders or whomever. We, it's a little too early to know who's gonna really suck, but there's yeah. always five or ten teams that are bad. Well, hopefully, uh Brian, your Scott Fishbowl is not one of those bad teams. So how did your uh SFB draft go? Well, I, I I started out with a combo with a stack. Um Justin Herbert first, and then came back with Austin Eckler. That seems to be, in almost any league I play in, that's the kind of stack I try to come up with. So those are my top two. And then I came back right around with with Hawkinson as my tight end. And um, then after that, I kind of just try to build depth at the uh, wide receiver position. That's kind of how I played it the last three years is that I wait till sixth, seventh round usually to get my to get my receivers and st- and try to focus on quarterback, tight end, and running back early. So, and yeah, I didn't uh, quite go with uh, you know that early of a stack with my first quarterback. I I ended up at the one hundred two, so I took Mahomes after uh, Kelsey went one hundred one. Did that? Did you guys see that often in in? Or I guess often. Did you guys see that in your Scott Fishbowl drafts? Was it a quarterback at one or was it was it Kelsey? I feel like it'd be usually those two. Yep. Hertz was 101, Kelsey was 102 in mine, actually. Okay. Uh, Mahomes went 105 after Allen and Lamar. Oh, my wow. goodness. Uh, but it's funny because, Zach, I also took Jonathan Taylor in the second. So Mahomes, Taylor to start, Devontae Adams, Kirk Cousins, and then, you know, which Kirk Cousins falling to 402 in Scott Fishbowl, that seemed late. Like, it didn't seem like in my draft people were a little – they were willing to let some of the quarterbacks slide. So I was able to take advantage because at that turn there, that two, that, or not really a turn because the third round reversal, but taking, taking uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor at 102, it's like, okay, can I miss out on quarterbacks? But sure enough, uh, one fell in, like I mentioned earlier, CJ Stroud as my third QB in the ninth. 
Zach, Zach, what were you drafting? What was that? Yeah, what hole were you? I was in the seven hole. Were you guys both online? Yeah, mine was online. Okay, I was in the Chicago live draft, so it was a or one of them. Um, but it was a it's a little different of a vibe live too. I feel like there's more variables in place. Like obviously you're doing it on sleeper, but it is a, a little different of an environment. I feel like uh, I don't I don't understand why, but our our draft boards always seem so much different than what I usually see online after I exit my draft. Um, I'm going to assume if you were one through four, you would have drafted Mahomes, right? Oh, yeah. And I was hoping that he would fall two more. I was like, I knew it wouldn't actually happen. But Justin Fields, and I was in Chicago, I was like, hey, maybe someone will suck. They'll be a sucker and they'll take Fields before Mahomes. But Oh, that would have been wild for sure. Yeah. Guys, I don't know. I can't imagine a draft where Mahomes doesn't go until the, the 105, regardless Crazy. of format. I like the Kelsey at 102 thing, though. I really do yeah, think Stanford's getting. Opinion. That's a good move. And then he says, uh, Cuz- one in mine. Cuzzy, like, is he saying Kirk Cousins went at 201? Oh, like the person stacked Jefferson at 112 and then took Cousins 201. I think just, I'm going to get that stack right there. Interesting. I like yeah. the stack, but you could have waited on, cause, on, on Cousins there. It doesn't sound like he's saying QB's got scooped. Like, I mean, if, if, like, it might have been like, was going to go before the end of, of the second, you weren't going to get him at the 301 on, on that third round reversal right so but i'm thinking you should have got a third round reversal on that i i completely changed my approach from last year i made sure to just get guys i actually liked for the most part because last year i tried to do the the responsible picks but you know like the oh he's available there and i took Dak press first time ever in the history of fantasy football i've had Dak prescott on a team that's yeah, it was, it, was, it was better before the ankle injury to have Dak Prescott on your team. <laughs> yeah, that was the goal but there. I mean, it was, it was only right. The one time I actually had him, he went down right away, and I was like, ah. Oh, right, yeah, true, he got injured, yeah. 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 Um, um, so back to the conversation about Damian Pierce, and I guess we can – I think we've uh, handled the scuffish we'll talk well enough. We can talk about trades now, actually. So Keith's giving us a good transition point. Devon A-Chain and a 24-second for Damian Pierce. See, I, I want to I say yes, but, you know, in no league do I have any Damian Pierce stock or a Shane stock. So that's where it's, like, tough for me to even put myself in. I'm in, I'm in 20 dynasty leagues. I don't have stock of either of them. <laughs> and I don't dislike either. Or, I mean, I'm not a biggest Pierce guy. But, you know, realistically, if I had Pierce right here, the my biggest concern is the Miami running back room. I've heard so many great things about Shane, especially from the people that love him, where, you know, I kind of want to drink that Kool-Aid and believe that he can be good. My only concern is, does Miami actually commit to one guy? Because it seems like they always have seven or eight they like to use. Uh, yeah, I'm holding here with Pierce. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's not really, a, I don't even know what side Keith actually has. Um, I'm not sure that I, I think from from memory from previous discussions, Kyle's not an A-chain guy, but I could be wrong. Uh, I liked Kendry Miller more, but I also liked A-chain, and I still like A-chain more than, say, Zach Charbonnet, who I think is, I still think he's, he suffers more from being drafted to Seattle than Ken Walker will suffer. I think, I think Charbonnet is buried behind Walker, and like he's gonna, 
it'll be really hard for him to overtake. He might be out there more on passing downs, but they also did just draft Jackson the Jigba. Like I don't, I don't think their plan was to take a first round receiver and suddenly throw more to the running backs. Um, with like, regard to this, I okay. like, I think it's balanced. I keep like trying to think of being on either side. And if you like O'Shea, I would feel great about this trade. Um, if you are a Pierce guy and you think it's just him in Houston, I would, I would feel good getting him, you know, for a Shane in a, in a 24 seconds. So I think, I think it's a good win-win trade where both sides are going to feel like they got what they want out of it. But um, I'd probably go with Pierce just because I I'm not as worried about Singletary. And I was like uh, betting on workload at least for one year. Cause usually running backs, if they're just getting fed, even if they're not productive have value. So it's funny because I was the one I talking about is if somebody's proposing this trade, I would I would look at the at the twenty four second the, their entire roster and see what you think of their roster. Whether that looks like a team that's potentially p- contending for a playoff spot, as in a later second round pick, and or a team that you know they're they're going to offer an opportunity to have a high second because high seconds aren't much worse than low first. So well, that is a lot of bearing to me. Well, Kyle, what were you going to say there? Well, it's funny because it sounds like you both, like in a vacuum, took the Pierce side. I was the one talking up Pierce. I think I would take the A-chain side because you get that second. Give me that extra squeeze. Give me that any extra value on top of either of these two. If the second was on the Pierce side, I'd easily take that. But I think because it's on the A-chain side, I would take that side. It looks like that's what what Keith ended up doing. He ended up selling Pierce. I mean... I'm very situational. Like I'm trying to think it depends on your team construct. Like if I have a lot of productive running backs already, I'm going to take the Shane and the second side because I feel like that could be two Shane's. You know, that could be next year's version of the same thing where you have two shots at it for next season. Um, but if I'm in more of a win now mode and I need an RB two or some, or I need an RB three for bye weeks and, you know, for a flex spot, I might um, invest more in Damian Pierce for, just purely for that that potential workload and you know what the more we've talked the more i'm i'm pretty solid on the a chain side because to what you just said zach if i'm a win now team i want a chain in the second because i want to be able to use that second in season that will get me a piece that's how i'm gonna if, if i you if think singletary chain, takes that much from him well i don't even think it's that it's can i can i just buy it doesn't have to be pierce but can i buy another running back like pierce for that second and then i get two shots i get the a chain uh, and this other shot like i just think I would do that if I could get a running back for a second, but maybe I'm just in leagues with a bunch of jerks, but I'm not getting any sort of running back that's going to help me in a win-now situation for a second. I'm definitely going to have to be packaging stuff. I mean, right now, no, but in season when those teams are trying to, oh, I've got to rebuild, like that's when you get those very, um, what's the word? Yeah. Yeah. Like sellers who are very motivated to sell, you could probably buy a good, I mean, like if you... Like if you really need spot starts for running backs, like literally this guy is going to start for this week and be nothing like a Justin Jackson was a couple of years ago. You can get those guys for thirds easily, but um, usually anyway. Uh, oh, um, Jamie with the obligatory Roshan over a chain. He does have the more traditional running back size, so I like Roshan over a chain. I do too. I'm still not quite there. Uh, I've kind of been a big believer in a chain the whole time. I'm certainly Roshan over Charbonnet though. Um, I would say it's also price because Roshan, I can definitely get at a later point in startups. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I even think to rookie drafts, like he, like, I don't, yeah. I didn't remember 
I mean, I wasn't in any leagues with Jamie, but I don't, I don't, I didn't see Roshan go in the first round of any rookie drafts, whereas A Chain was regularly like a 110, 112 type of pick. Yeah. And I'm um, um, seeing Dynasty Jack say it was a 14 team. I like, and it's a start third. I like that trade more oh, for yeah. the, getting the second. Then the, the deeper it gets, definitely I like the, the upside there just long it's it's more uh beneficial long term for sure now more teams means that pick is pushed further back but i think the point is if you're selling that pick in season it doesn't even matter where it ends up being ultimately which i think is the most useful part of that trade is yeah. giving that flexibility to buy something else uh if a chain hits and you can you can start him then great then you can make that second if he if he's not giving you enough production though you can go out and, and still have time to even before week one go buy somebody uh but keith's question of you know, Singletary and Houston doesn't concern you. It it does because I think Singletary is much better than anyone they had last year. So, um, but again, I also think the offense is better, so it can make up for having that. You know, Pierce maybe not monopolizing every single touch either. Sadly, um, I forget who they had last year. They had Burkhead, right? Rex Burkhead, Dario Gumbawale. I don't even know who else, honestly. Yeah, Singletary is much better than any of those. So it's funny because sober money, I missed the CJ Stroud discussion um, from a dynasty perspective, I guess. Okay. So real quick, where would you guys, if you have rankings or if you kind of can think of rankings in your head, I've got him at QB 13 in dynasty. That's right where I'm at. Yeah. It's yeah. Him and young are side by side for me. Um, or actually funny enough. Uh, I have Richardson at 15, but I have Stroud young and then Richardson. That's exactly um, but I have them, 13, 14, 15. I've got those exactly. Yeah, I have them all in the same group just because I think there's, you know, 12 guys that I feel like have shown it at the NFL level that are fairly young or in their prime that I'd rather have first, but then the upside of those three before anyone else. I'm guessing it's the, of the ones I mentioned earlier, it's Dak that you don't have in the, the top 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dak is one of those guys where. You know, I keep wait. You know, we keep waiting for that next step. And uh, yeah, I actually have two Dak Prescott jerseys. Totally. No. Um, so yeah, we're pro Dak jerseys, but maybe not pro having Dak in fantasy. <laughs> yep. Yep. No. No Dak anywhere. No Cowboy anything anywhere for me. All right. Except so um, now I guess uh, we prepared a show sheet with a bunch of trades on it. So uh, you guys want to get to some of these trades? Absolutely. So, and this is all moves. I know for myself, Brian, like I took trades basically since your last appearance on the gambit, like basically what, what has happened over the last month or so that I've done in my league. So I just took trades from that standpoint. I know there was a, like a couple of salary cap contract trades as well. I, I just want to keep it to, to strict dynasty tonight. Uh, we'll get through a lot of these. We all have a, a, produced some trades. So Zach, as the guest, I'll let you start first. Is there one of these trades you'd like to start talking about? Um, Let's see. You know, I think I'd like to start with my Waddle and Olave for Barkley, Dotson, and Burks trade. And just before I get started, this seems like in this same league, you made two separate trades. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we can can Um, talk about both. We can start with that one first. Okay. No, I wanted to discuss that one because I... um, I, you know, I acquired Saquon. This was obviously before he ended up taking the, the money that he took. But um, for me, it was the running back position. It's a 12, 12 team super flex, you know, just kind of standard two running back slots, a couple flexes. Um, but I love Waddle. I love Olave. It was painful to get rid of both of them or even one of them. 
I'm not the biggest Dotson or Burks guy. However, I think there's upside for both of them and me getting someone like Saquon. I always um, do value that production at the running back position. Um, I'm always, and I try and be greedy. Uh, And before we even discuss this one, I guess I can hint at the other trade too. I acquired Bajan or 101 for Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Chase Claypool, and a third and fourth. I thought that was super cheap for Bajan, if you ask me. Um, I I had the the space to get rid of a QB and I was I'm getting greedy with running backs there. You know, if I can have all the top ones, why not? But what's your guys thought on that Saquon trade first up? Well, it's funny because, you know, in the one case, you're doing the two for three and getting the extra assets. And then you came back, which having more assets allows you to, to make that. I guess in this case, it's a five for one, even though, you know really four of the five pieces don't hold much value. It's re- it almost feels like it's a one for one. It's Watson for Robinson and you, know, you threw extra things on the side, but that's really going to matter to be honest. Um, yeah. You see giving up Waddle and Olave, like that's a lot of value to give up at and a lot of youth at the wide receiver position. Now you do get two even younger receivers. I guess Olave is the same draft year as the two, but in Dotson and Burks. Uh, but like you mentioned it, you know, Running back scarcity is a thing. As much as no one wants to value running backs, they don't matter. But as soon as we get to August and September, we need running backs. Like their, their price goes up. So, and um, to give you an idea of why I was willing to trade Deshaun was because I had Jordan Love, Jared Goff, and Derek Carr. Um, I already had three starters. Um, <laughs> and Deshaun, you know, for me, I looked at getting Bajan for, like, I'm still, I think Bajan has more value just straight up even in a super flex 12 team. So they're, and, I, I think they're going around the same parts in startups. You might see some startups where Watson goes earlier. You might see some where Bijan's in the first and Watson falls to the mid second. So it, it's wide variety, and, but I would say they're pretty close. But so to give you an idea, Bijan is now my running back three on this team and uh, Saquon's my running back four. Um, I was going to say he, he's probably, he should be ahead of Saquon. So what you got, I mean, you must have like McCaffrey and Nick Chubb or something. And Jonathan, I have a uh, CMC and Jonathan Taylor. So um, you see, I'm that's rocking. I yeah, don't love yeah, having AJ all four of those running backs. I feel like I would have made one of these trades, Zach, but not both. Hey, for me, I mean the fact that yeah, there's only two uh, two flex spots. So for me, I love having uh, Bajan and Saquon in those. And I guess I think you can start four running backs every week, and you're just going to hammer all four. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I just look at the workload of all four of those guys. And I have a tough time seeing most wide receivers and flex spots being able to compete with that. And especially when my, my top two running backs, I feel like I have the advantage there as well. So, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I, I, I certainly understand the logic. I think if I had to choose between the two, I would say I'd rather do the give up the receivers for Barkley. Giving up Watson, I don't know about that. I don't really want to give up a, a top, and I have him at QB9. Like, I don't really want to give up a top nine quarterback unless I'm getting another quarterback back. And the fact that you added as insignificant as Brady and a fifth and a fourth are, the fact that you added to a quarterback to, to move off a quarterback, I don't love that. So I think I, for you, I prefer the you know, trading for Barkley as opposed to the Bijan. But I think we also probably, I know we disagree on the lo- the value of Jordan Love. Um, where are you on Jared Goff? Well, that's the thing. I'm scared of, on all three of those guys. Carr, yeah. Goff, Love. Like, I wouldn't right. want any of them as my QB1, even if I think I've, I've 
Well, you know, I think as a QB like two, I'm fine with Jared all of Goff, them. My my league winning quarterback because I had him in pretty much all my leagues I won last year. And while he wasn't a sexy pick, I mean the team invested in him. They believe in him. They have plenty of weapons around him. And I I love the value for what I paid initially, but also just going forward. And Derek Carr is someone I acquired cheap, and he's someone that. You know, I I did a buy low on on Derek Carr. While it was a rough year last year, I I mean, in all these leagues, I'm able to get him for not a lot. But and it was especially prior to him signing in New Orleans. But a lot of people, you know, lost a lot of love for him when he went down the way he did in in Las Vegas. And for me, I'm like, hey, we've seen enough decent years where I'd rather buy low with the expectation that he can be like a league average quarterback, and I can make some money back. So that's where I'll probably use car to upgrade at some point. But that's where he was was pretty good last year. Raiders just kind of inexplicably benched him for worse options. So I don't think it was his quality of play. But I mean, that that really did kill the vibe for a lot of people on car. And I I managed to get him at the trade deadline in a lot of leagues because people were so far out on him where I was like, hell, I gave up a 24 second in a league at the trade deadline because they were, they were viewing like Carr as a guy they had to get rid of now. And to me, I'm like uh, a starting quarterback that if say he's QB 20, that's worth more than a second round pick. And especially when I won that league last year in a 14 team, like I can easily, you're not getting a quarterback of any kind, you know, like Levis was a first rounder. So that's where I'm like, Hey, let's, let's ride. Yeah. I love like the, that. I love my bargain quarterbacks, but Kyle, I think you probably never do a zero QB uh startup huh i'm always That's... yeah snake startup i'm taking a quarterback in the first i'm, tra- I'm trading up to get a second first to take another quarterback yeah zero qb is my go-to startup method and i live by it i die by it it treats me well i've always liked car more than the average person so i'm okay with that yeah i'm not a i'm not a big car guy and i think you'll appreciate this though too with those four running backs i have dylan and i have james connor on the bench as well so for me, I looked at it as, let me get those running backs now. I'm not big on Dotson or Burks, but if they can just fairly shine at all, show some upside, I can flip them for more productive pieces. But I can package Connor, Dylan, or Carr. There's plenty of ways I can upgrade to get what I want while not having to touch any of the running backs I'm trying to hoard. I guess the other thing is, like, are you like trading for Burks and Dotson? Like, are they projected starters for you i guess you only have to start two or three if you're not gonna plan to flex any receivers but are they projected starters or did you like, they're projected you starters for me but they're guys that i wouldn't say will be on my team come playoff time um just because i'm not high on either of them but i know there are there are suitors that value them more than i do and that's where I can easily just sell on the upside you know find a good week early in the season sell them based off of that it's all get, the youth for points. Yes. Yeah. Because I never try to go win now, per se. You know, I like to make little pushes. But at the same time, I'm always trying to be balanced where I want to be able to compete for as long as possible. So with that, I think I can go more into the, you know, the 28-year-old wide receiver, 29-year-old, where it's like, oh, he's old, but he's not retired yet. And again, if you get those motivated sellers, those teams wanting to rebuild and get off older players, you can get them at a bit of a discount if you're yeah, giving up. Patience, patience is the key when it comes to trading. You just got to wait for the right time. 
I guess one concern I would have for Burks is I'm assuming D Hop is going to hurt his overall production, um, especially in that offense. That's hard enough to support one receiver. Oh, and it's uh, sorry, it's start three receivers, and I have Christian Watson as the other one. Mm-hmm. But I have Christian. Hey, it's all Watson. a bunch of not a first rounder from last year, but a bunch of rookies from last year. Yeah, no, and I I proudly have Christian and a thirteen of fifteen. So. So he's not being moved. The other two can get moved. But Christian is not. If anything, it's just trying to figure out those last two. But <laughs> I'm not, say, that's where the I'm, trades are going to come. Yeah. I'm stubborn though. I won't. You know, like I like him, but I'm not willing to pay higher than what I how I value him. You know, even though I want him in all my leagues and I I've been high on him before most he people was believe. So cheap to acquire last year. Late yeah, all right, and that was the issue on. was someone took him at 103 because I knew I was going to take him at 104 in one of those just to snipe me more than anything. Cause they thought I'd pay a premium. And I'm like, no, if you're going to, if you're going to reach, like have fun with them. Like I'll, I'll come back at some point, but I'm not paying a premium just because I'm high on them. Back to patience. You'll wait till they get annoyed. Yeah. If Jordan and Love's amazing, Watson will smash this year. You'll probably never get him. But if Jordan Love sucks, then oh, when, when they both smash this year is what I think you mean to say. Yeah. <laughs> really hoping so for that. Green and gold helmet back there. Um, so I guess speaking of trades and speaking of Damian Pierce, I, I suppose I maybe should have started with this one, but this is a, uh, so this is a league I've talked about before in this. Uh, Steve Pintado from the Fantasy Coaches, he commissions and he created this league. It's what he calls a multiverse league. And I've heard different versions of how a multiverse league could go, but in this one, we keep our roster and the league settings around it change every year. That's each each league setting is essentially a different universe. And we're as going through the multiverse, visiting these different universes. We experience these different league settings. Uh, so this year, it's a uh, 12 team, one QB league, start nine, no flex spots. That's a couple of these uh, multiverse, like same thing last year. It was a you know, two QB, two tight end, really restrictive, no flex spots. Same thing this year, two QB, one running back, five wide receivers, one tight end. Scoring is fairly standard in this uh, not standard it's ppr full uh you know full point per reception uh there's points per first down but receiving first down is worth uh, more than twice as much as a rushing first down and there are reception bonuses for rece- catches over 40 yards and for touchdown catches over 40 yards so the big play bonuses only apply to receptions not to 40 plus yard runs so the idea of this league is a very wide receiver dominated universe. Again, we have to start five every week and you know, the bonuses towards receiving specifically. So uh, this, this trade happened recently. I think just before the Kadarius Tony news, I don't know. <laughs> it could have extracted more value, but uh, I gave up Sky Moore for Damian Pierce. What, um, what running backs do you have right now? Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, and David Montgomery. Okay, I like that a lot then. Because I, I, I kind of view Pierce as the RB one, to be honest, of the three. Okay. Because... It's start two. Yeah, start two, but max of two, so I'll never have to start three in in a week. But at least you got the flexibility to have on um, bye weeks and stuff. You got a yeah. third running back, so that's important. I don't have to like throw in Deion Jackson or anything. Yeah. 
I think it was a smart trade in that regard. Yeah, especially I think you know, too, in that situation, we still don't know what Sky Moore's going to offer. So I, I think that Damian Pierce, at least he's produced one year. So yeah, I, I like Pierce side. Left a lot. I think he was the only receiver. This is kind of a Jamison Williams take, but he was the only receiver of the rookies last year to have more games without a catch than Jamison Williams did. Now, Jamison Williams only played six games, but he had five of them without a catch. I think Sky Moore had, I think, six games without a catch. Um, it's crazy how so few of the rookies last year, like, like even Christian Watson, as bad as the struggles were at the start of the year, Zach, he did not have a single game without a catch. He had a game with negative receiving yards, but he still had a catch in that game, right? So, like, it was almost amazing that Williams was able to accomplish that in only six games. But all to say, like, Sky Moore, like, he really needs to take a massive step up just to kind of get back to where, he, like, the track was last year. and. Them taking Rasheed Rice, like at this point, is Rasheed Rice not like I don't think he's that much less experienced than Sky Moore for as little as Sky Moore did coming from especially from a small conference. I believe I don't know. I would I would be surprised if Sky Moore outproduces Rasheed Rice this year. Personally, no, I would as well. I I I view Rice as the long term uh, receiver one there. I mean, I still think MVS is the number one wide receiver on this team. That's what I was about to say. I would say this. I would say by the end of this year, I think Rice will have that role. I don't want any of them um, in my top eight rounds or whatever redraft. I mean, that's just me. I don't. I'm not racing for them. I agree. Get the guy that's cheapest for sure. Yeah, I would say I'm only taking them if they're bench pieces. I don't want to depend on them as starters per se. Obviously, in a format like what Kyle's alluding to, where it's five receivers you're starting, I mean, that's a little different. But still, I mean, I like I like that trade for you a lot, Kyle. And I mean, you know, Skymore wasn't sorry, Ryan, but he wasn't one of my five primary starters, thank God. Um, so I had enough depth there that I felt. I mean, I have a lot of depth at running back, but no real <laughs> like Damian Pierce adds to the top end of this team to a certain extent. To and me, it's just, a lot. Sorry, this this offer was just sent to me, so this was just blind inbox offer. I thought about it for a day or two, and I just thought, you know what, this is probably the cheapest way to get an RB one for my team. And not that I think he'll finish as a top 12 RB. To, to me, wanting Sky more in this particular format is a lot like wanting a bad second quarterback in Superflex just to have somebody that's breathing. I yeah. think it's, a, I think he won by quite a lot on this trade. I get it. I think if I don't, if not for this format, I don't think this trade would have ever been offered to me. This was clearly someone who needed, to get wide receiver depth and then at the, at the expense of running back depth. So, and the funny thing is, it sounds, sounds like y'all change formats every year. So, yep. I know I already, and we, we know, so it's funny because last year it was tough to acquire receivers because we, we know a year in advance what the settings will be. So we knew that this year with the heavy receiver was coming before we, I think we knew that before the startup even happened or certainly right after last year's startup. Um, and I know looking ahead to next year, like next year is one of the more conventional universes. It almost like just like a, a normal league setting, right? So, I mean, to me, having too much depth at wide receiver, that's like that's something you can trade out of next year. But uh, back to trade talk here, Keith. I know Keith and I are both patrons of Dynasty Trades HQ. So, you know, of course, I know Keith loves Dynasty trading and discussing it and the strategy. So, of course, I'm glad Keith contributed with a trade here. Uh, so a 12-team Superflex, start nine. Full PPR and 0.25 point per carry. Trevor 
Travis Etienne in a 24 third or Zay Flowers and Aaron Jones. He also adds contending team. I'll be honest, I don't think that matters. I I, I am very clear on one side of this trade. What are you I'm guys going doing? Aaron Jones side. And it's uh it's you know, I liked Etienne. That was a guy that I was high on coming out of the rookie drafts last year, but as someone that was a believer while there was nice flashes, I was really disappointed with his workload. And I guess I really thought they would have given him more volume if they felt the way that I felt going into last year. And that's where with ET and I haven't really necessarily been targeting him in startups this year or via the trade. And if anything, I've been trying to sell high on him because I know there are believers of ET. And so if I'm a contending team, I think Aaron Jones, like, I think he can produce for any team. I think this will be his last year as the Packers guy because I think he'll be cut um, just with that dead cap hit. But, you know, I could see I could see him coming back on less money as well. I just have a hard time seeing Green Bay be, being content with a $17 million cap hit next year. Yeah, for sure. They might not, ask him to restructure. I can see that. Yeah, and I, um, I think there was a restructure in talks as well. Um, but, no, I, li- I like Jones and Flowers. Um, rather than, uh, yeah, I think especially for a contending team, Aaron Jones is going to be such a major producer this year where I, I would love that side. What about you, Kyle? Well, I, I want to hear what Brian has to say first. Okay. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm on that side too. I'm on the, I'm on the flowers Jones side. Um, I don't think there's that big of a difference between ETN and, and Jones for this coming year, especially. And then flowers is what's worth more than a third for sure. So. Yeah, I'm definitely on that side. That's the thing. Like, how far apart are Etienne and Jones to where you're giving up a third for Flowers? Like, I just don't see that at all. Like, that to me is that's crazy to me. Like, you've got, you know, a, I mean, heck, is Zay Flowers himself close to Etienne's value? Because here's here's the thing, Zach. What part of Etienne's game were you most disappointed on? Because he got 220 carries last year but only 35 catches. And he was supposed to be this like elite pass catching back coming out of college. And yeah, that's what I'm, I was disappointed with his receiving aspect. It was his workload overall, not his run load. You know, I like, I just, when James Robinson was still cooking the way he was while he was there, I was like, man, they clearly don't see as much in ETN as I thought I did because they would have just been letting ETN feast if they really saw that. And yeah, especially from the PPR perspective. But I guess for me, like I look at like the a dynasty startup I'm in right now, ETN went at 312 and Jones went at 67. So that's where I think a trade like this makes sense in a way. But yeah, if you if you're looking at winning right now, I think Jones, A, I think Jones will be more productive this year. And I think Flowers, yeah, obviously, if you're doing Flowers for a third, if you think Jones and ETN are a push. Then yeah, that's a steal for sure. Even wasn't if I was flowers, a big... go ahead, Brian. wasn't flowers going top ten in most rookie drafts? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Top like top six, top eight. Yeah. Heck, in this league, this multiverse league, he went one hundred three in the rookie draft. Oh goodness. Um, I mean, I know some people uh, who say like he is the best of these first. Like clearly, that person who took him one hundred three, they it was. Bijan Gibbs, and then he was the first receiver taken. So clearly, the, the opinion that he's the best receiver out of this class is not a common opinion, but it's certainly one that's expressed. And I'll be honest, 
to me, uh, the one thing I was saying is I don't think it mat- even matters that this is a contending team because if I'm rebuilding, I'd rather rebuild around Flowers than I would around Etienne because you're already the clock's already started for the running back. He's already in year three of his rookie contract. Like it's you know the the the, the, the window of running back is so small that yeah, if I'm even if I'm rebuilding, give me the the first round NFL wide receiver to rebuild around. And yeah, okay, I have an older piece in Aaron Jones. I've got all season to figure out how to sell him. And maybe, you know, it, he ups the price because, I mean, here's the thing. I think he outscores Etienne this year. Just straight up one year. Oh, Jones, I, I assume, will catch more passes, and I think he's got better touchdown upside. You're talking about Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I have Jones finishing much higher than Etienne this year. You know, I, I think for 2023, I'm very high on Aaron Jones, and I'm – I'm fairly high on Etienne, but you know, I I definitely think if I'm winning right now, I'd much rather have Jones in that slot than Etienne. Good or good or bad, the Packers offense has to run through Aaron Jones. Period. Thank good. He's he's been second on the team in catches for like four years in a row, and with a bunch of rookies or first year or second year wide receivers in the depth chart, I don't see how that changes. I'd imagine he. I like right now I've got Christian Watson as the only Packer to like projected to catch more passes than Jones. I think I've got him fourth in targets, but because you know, you know uh, Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs, the catch rate might not be as good as the running back. So, and I guess that's where for Etienne, I think Etienne's still a good running back this year. Don't get me wrong by any means, but I think Aaron Jones could really be at that top. I think the ball's going to be coming his way a lot, whether he wants it or not. And I think he has a good chemistry with Jordan love as well. And they've been working this off season together. So I think there will be a lot of benefit um, from a fantasy perspective for Aaron Jones this year. I, I just, I, I have a hard time if Aaron Jones plays, you know, 16, 17 games, I have a hard time seeing him finishing outside of the top five, honestly. The Jags have so many weapons between Kurt Mm -hmm. Ridley, ATN Ingram, probably missing somebody. Um, They've got a ton. Zay Jones had 121 targets in that offense last year. Zay Jones coming out of nowhere. If Etienne was really this elite pass catching back like we thought he was, like he wouldn't have let Zay Jones earn that many targets, right? Like it's, and I mean, Zay Jones has had a 100 target season before in in his past, but to me, like you mentioned all three of those receivers and then the tight end, Evan Ingram. Like I don't see how Etienne gets more catches than any of them. We're we're doing a going for two leg right now, and I couldn't get a quarterback um, before Trevor Lawrence, so I, I wound up taking Trevor Lawrence, Ridley, and Ingram. I I wanted ATM, but I, somebody drafted him right for me, and they're like, "You like stacks, don't you?" It's an eighteen team league. I'm like, "Sure, why not?" Yeah, I, I expect did. a lot from the Jaguars this year. And I, I, you know, a startup I did 14 team super flex. I took Lawrence in the first and then I stacked him later with Evan Ingram in a tight end premium and then even later with Zay Jones. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, it sounds like Keith, in fact, did trade away. It's in, he's gone. So, yeah, I think we're, we're all in agreement. It's unanimous choice. Uh, just to quickly run through two more trades I had in that multiverse league. Um, again, moving from a two tight end league to this heavy wide receiver format, I, I you know, built around last year Kelsey and Pat Fryermuth, but decided uh, Fryermuth still valued pretty highly, and I wanted to extract some value. I'm not the biggest believer in Kenny Pickett, so I figured uh, you know one tight end league. I doubt I'm going to play him very much over George Kittle, since I'm such a big George Kittle fan. So 
I gave up Fryermuth and a fourth next year to get Isaiah Likely and a second. What do you guys think of this? I'm okay with that. Um, the, the the biggest piece really in the whole trade is is the second to me anyway. Yep. And who's to say? I, I don't I don't think Likely outproduces Fryermuth, but like you said, you're not going to start Fryermuth anyway. So the biggest piece is certainly the second. I uh, I would have had a hard time being the guy that only got a fourth out of the trade, to be honest. Well, at least they got Fryermuth, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I mean, especially if they don't have another tight end, I guess. I like the trade for you right now. I probably would have waited a little longer on, on Muth, just with the hope of, you know, in the first two or three weeks of the – of the year, you know, really showing some sort of production, like having a 20 point week or something like that, just to try and sell even higher, see if I could turn that into a 24 first kind of thing. But I mean, I, I definitely like that value right now as well. I view it as a 24 second for, for Ironmuth. And when you can only start one. Yeah, no, I think that's great value for you right now as well. So that's where, yeah, I probably would have tried to be a little patient, but at the same time, I would have had a hard time passing that up just uh, for the value right now. I don't blame you for I don't blame you for wanting to wait, but the worst thing is sometimes waiting can wind up with a worse deal. Too. That's, <laughs> if that's why I bad. said yeah. that's why I said only I some of these guys I have deadlines and it's deadlines before the trade deadline. Like Friar Muth would have been like week two if I didn't have two if I didn't have a week I liked in there where I felt like I could sell sell them higher, I would have looked for that at that point and been like, please just give me the fair value. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if I need to buy an extra wide receiver, maybe that second helps me later in the year because we have to start five. And then the last one, this was a big one. Uh, this happened maybe uh, maybe about a month and a half ago. So I, oh, and I'm, yeah, there's definitely something missing there. Kind of a significant piece. <laughs> so I gave up Amon Ross St. Brown, Isaiah Hodges, Keontae Ingram, and a 24 first. So four for three pieces. Two of those pieces are a 24 third and fourth. So it's really... It almost feels like a one for four because I got Justin Jefferson as, as the big fish. The um, the twenty four first makes it make a yeah. lot more sense. Yeah, no, I, I looked at that <laughs> and without it's like, oh boy, what what a fleece. Yeah. But yeah, I I was looking that one over on the show sheet and I was like, man, like I like Amonra a lot. I am high on him, and I think that's, I think it's a very balanced trade. Um, I think if you're in a win now mode and you're really just trying to, you know, take that step from elite to like the best of the best, like you did, it's a great move for you. And, um, no, I think Amonra as well, you know, we don't know how he looks with a full season of Gibbs, Monty, Laporta. And uh, once Jamison's like, obviously Jamison only played six weeks last year, but you know, we don't know. I think Amonra will be good. I think it'll be great, but we don't know what with all those other weapons what that workload is really like. And while I still think he's the receiver one, and I believe I have him as receiver six or something in Dynasty, something high where it's well, uh, it's right around where I have Amon Yeah, and that's where you know it's still good value, but you know it's it's tough to pass up getting JJ. You know, and I I, I think um, I, I appreciate this deal again, because it's how I usually like to do business where I want both sides to feel like we're winning, um, depending on, you know, what, um, what our team situation and what we're looking for. But I, yeah, I think this is a win-win and I like, uh, I was like getting the better guy if 
um, you know, I'm one lean in favor of the side that gets the best player. So and what's the just single best asset and like, yes. and then what, and how much more is on the other side is if it's anywhere close, you're just always going to go and that single I, best asset. And even if Amonra finishes at wide receiver five and JJ's uh, wide receiver one, that's still such a big gap from what we've seen the past few years, or that's where I think that 24 first balances it out perfectly because yeah, I think there's definitely extra points there for you. It seems like, and I know that the team, like the other manager changed his teammate team name as, as soon as he got Almond Ra to put Almond Ra in the, the team. name. I can't remember what it is now, but clearly like that was their target with the trade. Cause like you expect like a guy like Justin Jefferson, he would advertise that league. Okay. Highest bidder, highest seller. But it kind of seems like he was just negotiating with me because we did go. This did take maybe about a week of going back and forth. I would say it's hard though. Like if you're selling JJ, I think there it would be tough to beat that offer unless it was an overpay, a Monroe and a first. Like you know, take out your third and fourth that you got in Hodgins and Ingram. It's just a 24 first in St. Brown for Jefferson. You know, I I think going to be hard for him to find a better uh, value where he's still getting a young really good wide receiver but he's also getting a high level draft asset so that's where yeah I think it's a I think you did a good job with offering a a package that is going to be tough to compete with as well because they're going to feel like they're winning yeah initially they wanted three things Amon Ra the first and Christian Kirk and my idea with the game, starting five wide receivers, you're asking me for two of my starters for one. That's when I was really yeah. hesitant. And ultimately, we've got the deal done without Christian Kirk. I think initially with that Kirk deal, that they threw more stuff on my side, like an extra tight end or an extra player or whatever. And I thought, okay, well, can I take out Kirk? Initially, I wanted to even take out Almond Rock. So this is my this was my only Almond Ross share. Like, okay, will they take will they accept Chris Olave? But then it became really apparent to me that like this. I'm sending you this offer for JJ because I want Amon Ra. You have Amon Ra, so you get the privilege of getting this trade. So it's, eventually it's okay. How can I? I just had to accept that I'm giving up Amon Ra and the first, essentially. Uh, yeah. I, I personally like the Jefferson side. The, wor- the worst thing is it's so hard to know. I mean, you have to you have to um, go for the moon to get Jefferson anyway. And I think you did really good here, but who's to say what? you know, kind of the peak value would be for Jefferson. It's just so hard to, to define, to be honest. Well, I, remember I like the Jefferson side. Last year in a super flex league, I gave up three firsts for Jefferson. And it was the 104 last year, which I'm pretty sure was Drake London. And then two firsts in this year's draft. And I mean, they ended up being, I think both of them were mid firsts. But ultimately, like, you know, three first round picks. And again, getting a leak guy like Drake London. In, that seems more on the kind of closer to the ceiling of, of Jefferson's price. So certainly it feels like this isn't the most expensive. I like buyer. it. For, the more I think about the offer, the more I'm in favor of your side, because realistically, even when you were mentioning the Christian Kirk piece, you know, I still felt myself considering and wanting to take the JJ side, even if you had to give up Kirk. I think you did good by not giving getting rid of that asset as, as well, especially with how many wide receivers you have to start. But, you know, if I'm in a win now mode or, and I feel, or I just feel like I'm a contender, I am very easy to give up my draft picks. You know, like I'm, I, I try to always plan ahead, but when I am getting pieces like JJ where they're young and they're super productive and they're the elite of the elite, 
I expect my first to be towards the tail end of the the round. And then I always just try and think of the names year after year that would be in that range. And it's usually never guys that, you know, change out 24 first for like, um, who was one of the, was it, uh, who was the wide receiver we were talking about? Oh, Zay Flowers. Like say it's instead of 24 first, it's Zay Flowers, uh, Christian Kirk and a St. Brown. I would give up all three of those receivers for JJ. So that's yeah. where, that's how I view that 24 first in that trade. So I think you did a good there. Good job, Kyle. All right, thank you. Now, uh, Brian, I know you shared one of the trades. I guess it's really the only trade you've done in the, in the last little while. It's funny because literally all the players in your trade, we've already mentioned them. So it's, uh, it's almost a good uh, recap well, of everything, could, but I'll, I'll let you present it. Uh, Kyle, you go ahead. Cause I wrote it on the sheet, but um, that was yesterday. So my memory fails. <laughs> me at this point. All right. So uh, 14 teams, super flex. Uh, I, I'd imagine it's super flex. Actually it doesn't say super flex. Never mind. 14 teams. Flex, oh, yeah. Okay. Super flex PPR with a tight end premium. Uh, I'm just curious. How much is the premium? Is it just 1.5? It is um half a point so the extra half point so full point ppr for everyone and then 1.5 for tight ends correct okay so you sent away Kadarius tony and drake london to receive george kittle zay flowers and a 24th third and, and i and i should preface this by saying that this was not my trade as a trade in my league so okay 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 sorry um yeah interesting so yeah, we have uh, Kadarius Tony in London on one side, Kittle, Zay Flowers, and a twenty-four third on the other. Go ahead, Zach. I gotta go, Kittle. I I I, I just uh, I don't see that as that close of a. Am I crazy to think that's it's not really that balanced of a trade? Like I'm in a tight end premium fourteen team. I'm very much so. I'm surprised you got a third <laughs> with Kittle and Flowers. Um, you know, not that a third's a lot, but I already feel as if that side's very much so winning the trade. You know, I like London. I'm skeptical about Tony. Um, you know, there's reason to be excited, but, you know, I still view London as the third weapon there. You know, I like London a lot, but I still like okay. Pitts and Dijon more, you know, in regards to... I don't see him behind Pitts. That's why I like to me, if anything, Pitts is the third option, but I but, guess that's. But still, how high are you? I'm not the highest on flowers, but I mean, from everything I've heard from those that believe in flowers, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of reason to be excited long-term and yeah, I guess, I don't know. Kittle, he's still one of the top 10. He's one of the premium tight ends. It's a 14 team. So that means you figure there's only five teams that have a tight end that's worth a damn right like and with that in mind hey if i i can get another uh, wide receiver with some upside in the process yeah cool because i i realistically would have given up uh tony in london just for kittle so um yeah good for you i i guess even in 1.5 because like that's not enough of a premium for me to say that elevates kittle above london like to your earlier point, Zach, the first thing I looked at is what's the most valuable asset in this whole trade? And I still view that as being Drake London. Even if it's just from a trade value standpoint, not even from a production standpoint. Um, I guess for me, like there's the the premium gets a premium due to being 14 teams. Um, just because I view it, 
I view the position that's already thinned out even more thinned out due to, you know, there's just more teams with rougher options that in their starting lineup. And that's and- where if I can say I'm the, say I have, uh, you know, like the Friar Muth and I'm not, I'm not really a believer there. I view that as a major upgrade. Um, and especially if I'm trying to win right now, you know, I think if you're trying to acquire Kittle, I'm assuming you're in a win now position because uh, otherwise I hate to break it to you. He's not necessarily the youngest tight end option out there. So um, get balanced with the, the young receiver in flowers. Yes, so but, but yeah, but I think, I think flowers, I'm assuming he's a bench piece. Even so it's it, if, even if you're going win now, you're not saying I'm, selling all my future. Yeah. And I mean, you're not giving up yeah. picks. You still get a young asset back. I, yeah. Ultimately, I think I would, I would also lean Kittle and flowers, but I think, I do think it's a lot closer just because I, I think of, of the value that Drake London holds right now. I mean, if you look at you know, consensus dynasty ranking sites, I don't think you'd be shocked to see if he's a valued as a top 12 wide receiver. Now I don't necessarily agree with that value either, which makes me want to like fully capitalize to your point, Zach, though. I don't know that the, 14 team helps the the scarcity at tight end because the way I see it, if it was, let's say let's reduce it down to an eight team league. Well, then I want one of those top three or four tight ends because almost every week I'm playing, I'm probably playing against one of the elite ones. So I want that other one to, to kind of nullify that. But in a, you know, a 14 team league, you know, outside of Kittle, I'm only really worried about the Kelsey Andrews and the Hawkinson team, but that means that there's, there's 10 other teams other than myself where I don't really feel like I need to necessarily push the advantage at tight end, especially a 1.5 premium. So the fact that it's more teams, I think I almost lean the opposite direction where I'm, I'm less interested in needing the elite tight end. Um, I would be more interested in less teams, 10 teams, even eight teams. That's when I, that's when I really want as many elite of the, of the start one guys as possible. Because I feel like in those we can situations, agree to you can get, there because so I, get depth in other positions. I mean, I'm big on I'm big on like the deeper the leagues, the more teams, the more I value them. And um, I, yeah, for me, I, I want that advantage. I want the even. It's not about the premium, even if there's no tight end premium. But if it's a 14 yeah. team league, there's the difference maker. Yeah, for sure. I just want I want to have that advantage at tight end every week because I'm going to assume or like i i want to try and win every positional matchup obviously but you know if if i to me it's like cool that if it's 14 teams and there's only five other ones that i think might say are higher then i have what eight other teams excluding myself where i feel like i have an advantage week after week and that helps me kind of worry less about that position and kind of just plan elsewhere and with receiver um, obviously, depending on the format, I do find that to be the easiest position to acquire, especially the aging ones. So yeah, that's where earlier, it, yeah. I think it's a lot olds. easier to address the wide receiver come deadline than it is tight end, I guess. is my you're, Yeah, especially if you want to get Kittle, you're like you're, you're stuck negotiating with them or the, the three or four other managers that have even better tight ends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that it's also the I mean, it, you know, a 24 third. You know, the fact that it's 14 teams, it, it also widens the range of outcomes. Like if that pick is the the 314, like that's that's pretty late and not holding as much value. But the fact that you still get the three for two in a 14 team or like that would in theory favor the, the side getting the three pieces. But Brian, I mean, you were in this league. So what, what did you think when you saw this trade first appear? 
Well, I mean, I, I guess the most important thing um, to keep in mind that the new Kittle owners also trying to trying to turn him back for for trying to put put him immediately on the trade block. So I was a little little surprised with that. If you go to the trouble of trading for him, so it was as yeah, if my earlier point, Drake London. Trade piece, so. Drake I like London it less. Seems like a better trade piece than Kittle right now. Yeah. I, I like the move if I'm in a win now and I'm trying to, you know, like I was describing, have that advantage at tight end. And I feel like I'm already competitive everywhere else, but I can upgrade there and really be in the driver's seat. I love it then for that side. But if I'm immediately trying to flip Kittle back around, if you're if you feel like Kyle does about Drake London, it's going to be hard to get a better like price. And that's where I don't like that for them in that mindset. Cause if you're immediately trying to flip them, unless you know, like to me, I'm a big Dalton Kincaid guy. Like if I could use Kittle to turn around and get Kincaid, then yeah, but that's gonna be a tough push because usually the Kincaid owner or likewise assets already believe in them and want to hold on and see. So that's where I think I've that seen guy. Some site like rankings where Kate is higher than Kittle, which I don't quite understand. But I mean, I still I still have Kittle ahead of Pitts in my dynasty rankings, so that tells you everything you need to know about how much I love. Maybe that says more about Kittle than it does Pitts, but yeah. Um, I don't have Kincaid higher than Kittle yet, but I look forward to the day because I'm not far off. I love I love me some Dalton Kincaid. He tried to flip flip Kittle to me, and it wasn't even for a tight end. I've I don't mind my tight end option. I've got Dulcich as as my young tight end, and I think he's pretty decent. But he wasn't even trying to get a tight end back, so I didn't really understand the whole purpose of the trade. To be perfectly honest, but yeah, I can't, I can't say I do after you've explained they're negotiating directly afterwards. You know, it made more sense when I just had it, just purely the trade, not all the the aftermath. It's to, to your exactly. point, Zach, earlier, right? That the premium it seemed like, okay, what's the best thing I can get for Drake London? It's to tear down at Flowers and I get a tight end thrown in, but then to just go and try and flip that tight end afterwards. Again, it still feels like if the point was to maximize value, this maybe wasn't the best way to sell Drake London. Then. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, like, I, I would have understood it, too, if he was making another trade right away and he already had a framework in place. But otherwise, you know, I only, I think that trade only makes sense on his side, really, if He's trying to upgrade at tight end and keep him. I just don't see. Because you, you went know, right for the points, right? Like the difference he'll make in this format yes. relative to other tight ends, but also relative yes. to other receivers. But I was looking at him as an, a, an immediate producer for myself to help compete right now while also trying to plan ahead with someone like Zay Flowers. But if he's immediately trying to flip Kittle, that kind of shakes everything up and that changes the dynamic for kind of what he's planning. Yeah, but I thought so when I there, saw that. I was shocked. This doesn't seem like Kittle's got great value coming off a career high in touchdowns. Looks like he's got great connection with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's expected to start. Like it, it, everything should be lining up for Kittle, but it seems like his value just has been dropping since the season. So, I uh, on on the theme of a fourteen team and talking about Kittle, I wanted to, if you're okay, Kyle, with me mentioning another one of my yeah, trades. I was gonna get. I was gonna give you a chance to give one okay. more. So yeah, whatever cool. trade you'd like. No, to I wanted about. to do um my. My Jerry Judy, I gave up Jerry Judy and Michael Pittman, and in return I got Tyree Kill. Um, you know, I like Judy, I think, with the Sean Payton offense and Russell Wilson, hopefully in a better year. 
there's a lot of reason to be excited. Um, Pittman with uh, Anthony Richardson there, you know, who knows? But I think it's a lot more upside and hope for those two when I'm the, I won the league last year. So for me, it was let me get a piece that I really is because both of those guys were starters for me. But, um, you know, I feel like I upgraded. I got the better option. And also, you know, this is a, I have Devon, so I have, uh, my other receivers are Devonta Smith, Christian Watson. So, but I, so with this format, it's one QB, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, four flex, and then a super flex. And so I have Kittle in this, and I wanted to touch on this real quick. I have, um, it's a tight end premium, and people just kept, um, I was surprised. Everyone was so focused on QB where I just kept taking tight ends. And, you know, I got Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Jordan Love. And, um, but I have Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Darren Waller. <laughs> um, and then down on the bench, I also have Okonkwu. Um, it's funny because I've got a team, similar settings, start one at each position, and then you've got the tons of flex to tight end premium. And yeah, I've got an Andrew Kittle Waller room. And because there's so many flex spots, you can play all three every week. And exactly. And that's different. where I I had, right, funny enough, I I actually had, um, it was either Judy or Pittman were always on the bench for me, except for bye weeks or injury. So that's where for me, using both of them to upgrade to a higher or like a more productive wide receiver. That's awesome. Like I already said, I had guys like Chig and, um, you know, the bench isn't necessarily the greatest, but you know, I, when you have four quarterbacks as well in a 14 team, uh, super flex, you can usually make back assets there as well. Well, I, bench depth is the cheapest thing to trade for. It's the easiest thing to acquire elite exactly. talent like Tyree kill, not the case. Hence why it cost you two receivers that some of my view as starters. And I mean, that's what we were all talking about. Top 30, like top top 25 yeah. in Judy. So, yeah, no. And we were talking about, um, you know, the 14 team tight end premium, you know, how you value tight ends. What I what I like about it is I have three of the, the top five in my books, you know, Waller, Kittle, Andrew. And that's where. With taking them in the startup, I feel that I'm really holding everyone by the balls where it's like, if you don't want to pay the premium to get an elite tight end, have fun with a very mediocre tight end. You know, and that's where they're productive enough in a premium, even in my flex spots, where I usually have the advantage um, in my matchups in the flex, but I can also be greedy. And unless someone really wants to meet my value to get rid of one of them, I can just keep holding on to them and writing out the production because I didn't plan to keep all three of those tight ends through last year, but I kept winning. No one wanted to match my price. And so I won the damn thing. And guess what? I'm coming back for year two, trying to win it again. And Hey, they're still on the market. If you want to pay the price, I'm asking. Cool. But if not, let's run this thing back. It worked last year. They, they scored points. Right. So, uh, <laughs> cause like, you, you know, you've, information that you presented on the on the spreadsheet and specifically the four flex spots in my mind i was thinking oh okay like expecting you know two running back spots three wide receivers like is this a start 11 start 11 14 team 
I could see why the other side gave up Hill for this. The appeal of the two for one makes more sense. But now you're saying it's only start nine. Yeah, it's start nine. And and especially in, you know, max or minimum start one wide receiver. So yeah, you don't need but like the idea of, you know, Hill might see your lineup while neither Judy and, and Pittman could. I think through that context, I like it a lot better. If it was going to be initially be like 14 teams start 11, that's yeah. where I get hesitant on the two for one. But yeah, I love. Uh, yeah. If, if, if it was a deeper good. starting lineup where I had like two or three starting wide receiver spots and then multiple flex spots, I would have been more hesitant for sure. But when I only am forced to start one, I just viewed it as upgrading my starting lineup. And like I said, when I'm already feeling good about my team coming off the title, upgrading my starting lineup even more so is exactly where you want to be, especially when I feel like I didn't necessarily jeopardize my future in the process. And and let's be honest too, Jerry Judy hasn't shown his full production yet. And Pittman's got a rookie quarterback. So both of those are not extremely stable propositions right this minute. So I think it's really good. They may lose value by next off season. Like I think especially Pittman, there's a big risk of that. And, and that, Back to my other trade earlier, that's kind of my concern in that Saquon one, if I wasn't getting Saquon as well. You know, with Burks and Dotson, you know, there is easy, easily a way where they could go down in value if they don't really demonstrate a step forward from what they showed last year. And I think, you know, I like I like guys with upside with potential, but for me, it's about buying low on them. It's not about, you know, otherwise I'm going to favor the side with the the higher producer like Tyreek Hill. He's not young. I'm concerned a little bit about Tua's concussions, but at the same time, Tyreek is still Tyreek either way. And that's where it's like, okay, I know what I'm getting there. And if he has a disappointing few weeks, I can easily flip him for a lot still. You know, if I jump, if I jump on it fairly quick and I don't wait a year or two while those other guys if Judy or Pittman are really struggling a few weeks in, I wouldn't have been able to get someone like Tyreek, you know, I would have had to offer other stuff as well. No, for sure. Um, and then yeah, I guess uh, Jamie's comment here, uh, just grab, uh, I think it's Brock Bowers next year. And, I need uh, draft picks to be. get that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, th- and then, then you might force someone to trade for one. That, that's when you flip Bowers because it, all the hype are like, if you, you know, the best time to flip Kyle Pitts would have been immediately after taking him in the rookie draft. Cause then you, it would have allowed you to access so many more players and so much more value that wasn't available in the rookie drafts. Although to be fair that like Jamar Chase, Trevor Lawrence, like we, we had some pretty good players in that rookie draft. Uh, Monty Harris. Yeah, um, yeah. Someone like Chig, he, he cracks me up though, because he was a guy that was my like sleeper tight end from last year. And in the same 14 team, uh, we did our rookie draft in in May. The, um, I think we did it actually before the NFL draft last year. And I took Chig at four one four. I took him. He was Mister Irrelevant of our rookie draft. And wow. now I'm watching him in startups just climb all the way up. And I'm like, making uh, you me all teary eyed. I wouldn't be shocked if someone has him ranked as a top twelve tight end right now. Yeah, and, and that's. I think that's a important thing. Now you got. How do you guys feel about? Uh, like, is there a certain position you try and take more shots in the dark in the late rounds? Because to me, even in pretty much regardless of the format, I find myself stashing tight ends. You know, someone like Jake Ferguson I had after, uh, like, from waivers last year, just kind of sitting away. Someone like Chig. I don't know. I feel like the tight end position after the top five or six, you never know. 
And then if someone shows any sort of hope, you can usually get them for cheap early and you can sell them high or relatively. Keith, Keith has my answer in running backs just because of the the immediate ability to yes. gain value, especially in lineup leagues, not so much in best ball, which I don't really play in, but in lineup leagues where we're having to set lineups every week, that idea of, oh, this backup running back, we know we'll be getting starts. There's the kind of the predictability to them as, as opposed to the other positions. So it's, it seems like it's the one position where guys can just like spike in value for a short period of time. So you got to be able to like capitalize when those moments come, but it seems like they will not for every running back, obviously, but those, yeah. those big and spikes. It depends, depends on where you're taking them as well. Is what I was just, or just like the, because like, the tight ends in yeah. most formats, I can take the shots in the dark much later than the running back ones. I'm but, thinking um, of it as like fourth round. Like who are you yeah. taking in? in the yeah. Oh yeah. Then yeah. If, if you can get the running backs that, you know, you think have any chance, then absolutely no, because I uh, no. Yeah. Actually, I this year I think it was the fewest running backs that have been drafted in the NFL draft in like in years, and so you know by the end of the third they, they were actually starting to run dry a little bit. So you may not have had choice in the fourth to take shots on tight ends or wide receivers or even some quarterbacks. Yeah, UDFAs. Yeah, no, exactly. All I know is Evan Hull across the board. Yeah, that that's it exactly. And Roshan, we'll we'll say that for Jamie too. Not that Roshan was going in the third round. Uh, last question here from Keith, and then we, we can uh, give our intro outros. Twelve team league. What is DK Metcalf worth in picks? So my first instinct is: is he worth the first or not? Like that's like that's the first question. Without question, he's worth the first. Um, so then it's and then it would be what on top? Like how much more is he worth at a first? Or if, you know. I guess we're saying you know, 24 mid first, right? You don't know where it's going to be right now. Would you I suppose if you had DK Metcalf, would you just accept that first or would you need something else on top? Um, I would have to, you would have to pay a lot for me to get rid of DK. I'm high on him. Um, I think he's, he's young enough. He's shown it. Obviously JSN is coming in now, but you know, I think we've seen enough consistency and enough hope around DK where, I, I'm going to need more than a 24. I mean, I'd really, if it's a mid first this year, I'd probably need a 25 first as well. Um, because to me, I'd, I really have a hard time taking that mid round gamble because usually I'm taking the best of the rest. You know, it's not the, the prospects I'm super excited. It's not that top four. Usually, obviously there's a chance, but for the most part, um, giving up an asset like DK where he's still young and there's still more hope I'm going to need to really know what I'm getting. And, you know, just a first rounder with variability on where that is. Um, I, I don't think that's enough. Um, yeah, I would say probably two first. Um, Brian, how are what you? What about on? like a 24 first and say flowers? <laughs> no. I'm not a Zay Flowers guy, though. That's where it's like if I've been kind of trying, like, say if it was Dalton Kincaid in a 24 first, yes. So I guess, yeah, if if like that same slot value of a rookie draft, I'd agree with that. Um, it's just I was going to bring up Jordan problem. Addison instead, like Jordan Addison at first, but then even, you know, JSN, reset the clock on that same team. Like, are you taking those guys in the first? Yeah, I don't know. This, I 
understand the excitement around this wide receiver class, but you know, to me, they never, these guys, I'm not as excited about, I'm not as high on this year's wide receiver class. You know, I like a few of the running backs. I like a few of the tight ends, the quarterbacks, but the wide receiver position is just, you know, I like more of the, the sleeper guys. I'm not as high on the high end ones as some other people. I think this class compared to the past couple of years, I'm just not as in on, you know, I really loved a lot of guys the past couple of years. Um, this year is just not doing it as much for me as a class, but I think about all the elite assets that have come out like 2021. We had chase, we had Devonte Smith, we had Waddle, we had Amonrod kind of buried, not even realizing he got good. We had Jefferson and lamb the year before, right? Like we've seen like two or three, like amazing wide receiver classes, or I guess, uh, sorry. And then yeah, 2022. Uh, yeah. 2022 Garrett Wilson, Olave. And then this year, JSN is the <laughs> forgot one in there. It just seems like, like, like you, to your point, Zach, you were saying like mid first, let's say the 106, right? Because this year the 106 would have been JSN. Would you rather have JSN straight up over Metcalf? You sound like no. you're saying no, I would agree. I still, I in, actually just updated my dynasty rankings and Metcalf's still in the wide receiver one range. I have him at wide receiver 12. So he just made that threshold, but yeah. there he is. And I don't, I don't have any of the rookie wide receivers in my top 20. Um, I might have JSN. Right at the yeah. back end of the top 20. I've got them at 22. So it's still not like far off. Yeah. It's not, you know, wide receiver 34 or anything, but it's. Um, I've got no, all I four think... in the top 30, but I think it's like, it's basically from like 19 through 27. That's where you'll find. Yeah. Them. I think there's a tier gap there and, and uh, like what you're alluding to. And no, I, I think if you want to sell DK though, now is probably the time because while I like DK a lot and I'm not necessarily aggressive on moving them, I think there's enough reasons to also maybe want to sell at this point, because what if JSN just kind of says, Hey, I'm the man, you know, like there is part of me that's, even though I'm not high on JSN, I understand that that's a realistic possibility where, you know, what if it's a three headed monster instead of a two, or there's just less targets, less, you know, uh, just overall production. So if you're looking to sell DK now, I'd really be adamant, that, hey, I want to move him because someone's going to want to pay even just off of namesake. You know, there's he's one of those guys that just kind of always has a lot of hype regardless. So I think that's where I'd, I'd, if you're looking to sell him, I'd do it now. And we gave a bunch of examples of tearing down, right? Like how can you split him into two assets? Like here, DJ Moore in a second for Metcalf. I'm, I'm going to stick with Metcalf, I think. Yeah, I'm... Um, if it was someone other than, I'm not a DJ Moore guy per se, so that's where that one hurts me. Because if if you were to swap out DJ Moore with someone else, maybe in that range, I could potentially. I would actually still say I'd need a first with if it was DJ Moore in a first. Well, the I'd way still, you were talking, I like you know more to to Kincaid and stuff. That's what I was kind of expecting if that said first. Yeah, no, I uh, I because th- I think you can really get someone to pay a premium with DK. It's like what I was talking with my Tyreek trade, where someone could view that as a major upgrade in their starting lineup. While some of those other younger options, you know, there's just more of the hope and you're less, less dependent on it right now. So I think DK uh, definitely has more of a a market value. So I think you could, uh, I think two first is something you could get for him. How how about, how about Higgins for DK straight up? To me, like I view that in that same tier. Like I've got, I think, like 
wide receiver 11 through like 15, 16 is yeah. like one big tier. That's that's a your guy, my guy thing. Where if you're higher on him and I'm higher on him, like I would gladly make that one for one without uh issue. Like I like DK more personally. Same. But at the same time, like if I just wanted to swap out names there and have equity of someone else, I would sounds uh, like Keats actually saying he prefers Higgins, but also that point. Like that's one that could definitely really happen if if you have Metcalf on your team and you're not a fan and in that tier. Jalen yep. Waddle, Devonte Smith. I've got Chris yeah. Olave in that tier, and you know, I think like, maybe right now you, you'd you'd probably have like, to add to Metcalf to get Olave. So that's maybe not the best example. But I would say like, uh, but yeah, like Devonta Smith. I'm higher on Smith than DK right now. So that's where for me, you know, if you offered me Smith straight up for DK, and say you had JSN and you wanted the stack or something, like I would gladly just do a straight up there, um, where I feel like we'd both feel as if we won the trade or that we're content with the value there we've got all the ranges right like dk tearing down dk at kind of like equal value like what are the, some of the players and that's if you do like go to your league and what's okay does is the waddle manager going to do him straight up no is the smith manager going to do it? maybe and then like you just figure out like who in your league really likes metcalf and has the ammunition to do it i i'm in the works on moving dk in a league uh packaging him to get uh jamar and that was my that was great transition, Zach, because that was the one last thing. Can you go up from Metcalf? So, like, what yep. what are you kind of expecting to have to pay on top of DK to get Chase? I view it like you're a Monroe trade, you know, like uh, where I'm going to have to give up a 24 first. I'm going to probably have to give up um, a third. It depends on, on two, it depends on if it's you know JJ or Jamar. Or any of the other guys. Like I like AJ Brown a lot. I like Garrett Wilson a lot. I like Amon Ra a lot. But I still don't. I, it's a top two in everyone else for me. Yeah. So and that's you're probably having I, to pay a big different price to get Chase. Exactly. So if I'm going for uh, Justin Jefferson, then yeah, I'm one. I would do that. Christian Kirk, 24 first, and DK, kind of, kind of deal. I think it's in that same range. I think you would still probably have to give up a little bit more just because Amon Ra definitely has a. He's just more valuable right now. Um, and I think from that standpoint, I wouldn't. I would gladly give up whatever I needed to with DK to make that buyer happy if I was upgrading. And I felt like upgrading from DK to a Jamar or a Justin Jefferson was going to help me win the league. I would pay whatever price I needed to to upgrade from that. Funny, you mentioned DK's college teammate, AJ Brown. That was the one name that stuck out to me. If, like if Chase and jefferson are so unattainable aj brown's probably the next guy where what are you willing to add to dk to get them like dk to first to get aj brown is that too much to give up to get brown no no um no i mean again like it's probably like what has it, to happen to get done because dk to second probably isn't getting you AJ brown. if i'm making that move where i'm looking to upgrade like that i'm going to assume i'm in a spot where i can contend and um, with that in mind, then I would have no issue giving up DK and two first to move up to uh, AJ Brown. I know that's a lot, but you know, if I feel like I'm going to be one of those contenders, I'm viewing my first as a late first. And right off the bat, I think that really devalues one of those picks. And is that a future, another future first from another year, or is that someone else's first? Then obviously that's where it varies, but. I would have no issue giving up two first and DK for an AJ Brown. 
And if you even overload that side to the point where can you get a second piece, like do the, you know, DK two first, do the three, but get a second piece back and do the three yeah. first just to balance out, whether it's a, a second round pick or just a, another starter, you're either Absolutely. A, you're not giving up too much equity, or B, you're actually getting two pieces you can pick them up. No, I agree with that. I like that a lot. Second piece isn't in your lineup every week, but it can get usable weeks out of them. But something that can be an asset, you know, it, it's just a something that I can use in a trade or I can use in bye weeks or injury. It doesn't need to be a major contributor always, but just something that I at least don't have to give a hard sell to someone if I'm trying to include them in a trade as some sort of value or asset that they're getting. You get a third, you can maybe just spot buy a spot starter, like a one or two week guy that everyone knows is just a one or two week guy. Like there's like there's points to be had in those weeks. So, you know, those guys yep. usually can be had for thirds pretty regularly. Cause those are those are the assets that fantasy managers don't want, but especially if you're a rebuilding team, like those are the guys I want off my roster. So again, motivated sellers. Sometimes you don't find those motivated sellers right now. Uh, might at other times of year. Awesome. Uh Brian, any final comments on this uh DK Metcalf talk? No, no, no final comments for me. D- DK is definitely one of those um, p- polarizing figures right now. I, I think with Jackson coming in, and we'll just see where he's where he's at. And the forgotten man seems to be Tyler Lockett in drafts right now. So. Always a value every year, regardless of everything else. Old exactly, reliable. but he seems to be drafted even further and further. Like for instance, if you go on underdog and look at the best ball drafts to see how he's like significantly behind jsn even in single or like single season formats right like redraft like non-dynasty like again the underdog best ball formats which if you haven't signed up yet for underdog you can do so using our promo code gf2 or scanning the qr code totally forgot to do this ad earlier uh but yes uh and doing so using this promo code or scanning the qr code will give you a double deposit match up to a hundred dollars so let's say you max out and put that a hundred dollars in it's your first initial deposit on underdog well, again, using this QR code, if you do that, you insert the, the, the promo code first and then put that deposit in, they will actually double it and give you an extra 100. So you'll have 200 in your in your account to use on best ball drafting, for instance. So you can take Tyler Lockett really late. <laughs> uh, it's such a good value. And yes, uh, so appreciate Underdog for that. And I appreciate Zach for joining us here. Uh, would you like to let people know uh, where they can find and follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Behind the Zach. Otherwise, you can find me bouncing around the Going for Two network. And then come in season time, I will be hosting the Sunday morning pregame show. But thank you for having me. It was good to be back. Uh, missed you guys. Good to see you again, Brian. Good to see you, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, you too, Zach. Yeah, figure out who's going to bring on the guests. I went back. Okay, what episode list this year? Who did we bring on? And I was okay. Yeah, we've you know got a couple guys on twice, and I realized. And we brought on Zach like way before rookie drafts, like playoffs had barely ended for the NFL. Like we barely uh, done the, the Chiefs uh, victory parade for after their Super Bowl. And yeah, that's when we brought Zach on. So I figured it was, it was about time. You, you were due. I was due. It was time to get off the pickleball court and jump on the show again. Uh, pickleball. Is that quite a gambit to play that or, or no risk sport? Uh, yes and no. Depends on who you ask. Depends on a, yeah. Very situational. There's definitely some gambit there. Okay, so you've ever been in like, like a tough situation playing pickleball? Like, like you were really in quite a pickle. I'm always in a pickle. Okay, um, don't be too sour. But uh, yes, uh, no, no sour here. Just a just uh, again, sweet time here for all of us. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, Jamie's saying awesome show. And he watches enough shows, so he's got a good uh, judge on what's a good show or not. So appreciate that, Jamie. Uh, Brian, is there anything you want to plug to the listeners and viewers? Well, first of all, if you can figure out the app, whether it's Twitter or X or whatever it's called, you can find me at Vandygrad92. And um, I'll have a lot of uh, upcoming podcasts um, here here with Going for Two, but also for frequency sake as we're heading into the fall, DFS shows and all kinds of fun stuff with Sunday live stream. So it's going to be a lot of fun times coming up. Yeah, I know for myself, I think everything changes going for two when it comes to the programming. Like currently we've got you know a show almost every night and that will stay the same in season. It's just that, you know, some of these shows may change. Like for instance, you know, we normally split the Thursday with Gladys, no particular order or mock draft show that, that will not be taking place during the season. So it'll be a, a Thursday gambit, um, which will be on an hour earlier to get pregame show, right? So we won't be doing our typical 8 p.m. start as in the off season. I've got press coverage. Uh, there's only two episodes left of press coverage. So uh, Rhett Manny will be my next guest on August 7th. So Monday, August 7th, which will be uh, you know a few days before our next episode of the Dynasty Gambit, which will be August 10th. I uh, don't know for sure what the topics will be yet. I know, Brian, I'm just going to bring this up to you on the fly. Uh, but something that I've thought about is you know, we can get Jay back on eventually, but uh, having us and potentially whoever our guest is for that episode share our dynasty portfolios of our, our most rostered players throughout. Zach, Zach's already done that for us today. So it's like he even got the You'll never guess today. who my top owned guy is. Oh, it's, is it not Christian Watson at 13 out of 15? You're so smart. Look at you. See, I was listening. So, so Zach's already contributed to that. Uh, so I guess maybe that is what we're going to do in two weeks. So thank, thanks Zach for sharing the Christian Watson, even though that shouldn't have been news for anyone. If hey, my, I have a three-way tie between Goff, Jones, and Jordan Love for number two in equity. So, um, it, it so all one of us believes on in J Lo. One of us together on that one team too. We have all of them. Pretty much all of them. <laughs> I, I, I would actually imagine there's probably a few teams where you have all of them. So yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So this was another great episode of the Dynasty Gambit. Thank you, Zach, Brian. Uh, so glad to have you back as my co-host. This was awesome. Thank, thanks. It was great being back on. And of course, thanks everyone in the chat. Scampers scampered his way in there. Gerson was in for a bit. We had Keith and we had Jamie. Uh, just yeah, the Cleveland connoisseur and Dynasty Jacks just uh, jacking up our chat with a bunch of comments, and we love it. All the questions, all the talk. Again, subscribe to the Going For Two YouTube page if you want to interact with us on the next episode of the Dynasty Gambit. Bye for now.